Welcome in, everyone, to Football Friday, presented by Football Addicts Anonymous. Next week, Mark. Next week, we'll have a we'll have a presentation sponsor. Yeah, we talked about it today. <laughs> um, yeah, great Friday. Probably the best Friday I've had in law school yet. Uh, <laughs> It's a nice Friday, anyways. Not really. It's get, doom and gloom good, outside, but good test grade back. Hell no. But uh, <laughs> it's all right. We got football to talk about. That always makes everything better. So, uh, had a couple college games last night, as well as the Monday night game and Thursday night games this week in NFL. So let's get to college. I didn't watch either of these games. I was focused on the Thursday night game and uh, the Penguins losing 4 nothing to the Calgary Flames. But uh, anyways, number 24, Coastal Carolina getting it done. 35-28 at home against Troy. Surprised it was this close. Um, but Troy is, is pretty decent. Anyways, they, they usually put up a good fight in the Sun Belt. Troy, Troy is good, I think, um, after... You know, teams see the success App State have had. They're finding some, you know, maybe some chinks in the armor of Coastal Carolina. Well, yeah, you can see it. Uh, Kimani Vidal uh, running the ball. That's exactly what Appalachian State did to Coastal. Um, yep. That seems to be the weakness of the defense. And um, Grayson McCall's... Not playing as well as I would think he should be, um, but maybe he's having a sophomore slump, so that's that's fine. He's still got another year if if he's going to the NFL early, um, if not two years. But uh, Javon Hiley, hundred yard game, um, and defensively, I don't know. I'm probably going to end up going with the last guy, the, the guy from Troy, Javon Solomon. Three tackles, solo, uh, half sack, half tack plus, pass selection, and a QB hurry. Jeffrey Gunter as well. Pretty good for Coastal. Troy did cover, though, plus 17 and uh, over 50. ECU, 29-14. Against USF, Holton Aylers, decent. But again, this was another one where it's like the running backs dominated the game on both sides. Kelly Joyner for the Bulls, uh, Rajai Harris, and uh, Keaton Mitchell for the Pirates. Quarterbacks didn't have to do much. Catravius Marsh really detrimental against USF with the three picks. Xavier Weaver for uh, USF, the leading receiver, 91 yards off five catches and a touchdown. Also turned the ball over one time. And uh, defensively, I'm going with Malik Fleming for ECU. Three tackles, all of them solos, and uh, pass deflection and a 31-yard pick six. Pretty good win for the Pirates there. And Mark's guy, Holton Aylers.
ECU covered minus nine and a half and under fifty six. Monday Night Football. Saints eking it out against the Seahawks, thirteen to ten at Lumen Field in Seattle. Um, God, this game sucked. Oh yeah, it was just atrocious. I mean, it was Alvin Kamara <laughs> and Mario yeah. Davis. That's about it. <laughs> hey, that, that's all the Saints needed. But yeah, that was a. Very stressful game for me to watch. I was really nervous that the Saints were actually going to lose to Geno Smith and the Seahawks. But, I mean, the stats probably don't show it as well, but the Seahawks really didn't do anything all night except for that one 80-whatever-yard touchdown that DK Metcalf had because of the missed tackle. Yeah. Um, I just could not... For the love of God, believe that I lost another parlay by one leg. It wasn't even. It wasn't even going to be a big payout. It was like twenty bucks off of ten dollars. Double, double the money. And Tyler Lockett couldn't get thirty receiving yards. I was just dumbfounded by the fact that they weren't throwing to Tyler Lockett. They really weren't throwing to anyone. Pete Carroll just decided to keep running the stupid ball. Something he should have done years ago in the Super Bowl. Well, they, it's not even like they were successful running the ball. I mean, you look at that. Alex Collins was the leading rusher for the Seahawks. 2.2 yards per carry. Rashad Penny didn't do anything on his few carries that he got. And, yeah, I, they weren't effective with anything on offense. So, but yeah, like I said, Camara, uh, PPR, beast of a night, 10 for 128 and a touchdown through the air. Um, yeah, they finally they finally decided to go to Camara in the air, which they haven't been doing really much this season. So, I mean, they won this game. It was an ugly win, but they did what they should be doing all season, which is featuring Camara as the main piece that all. Yeah, I was disappointed by Traquan Smith's return as well. Only targeted uh, three times, I believe, or twice. I think he's only targeted twice. Caught one for 11 yards, I think it was. Um, so that was disappointing to see him return and not get many targets to start and then not produce much at all either. The only, you know, the only commentary I have on this is before we, on the show, I said, I'm just not excited about this game, and and it lived up to that bill. It was just kind of, all right, someone won. Let's move on to the Thursday night game. <laughs> uh, before we get to defense, I do, do want to say, you know, congratulations to Brian Johnson, rookie kicker out of Florida, I believe it is. Um, first couple of field goals in the league and also obviously the game winning field goal um but yeah defense chris your guy demario davis balling all night i mean he was a monster 10 tackles seven of them solo 70 percent solo tackles uh two sacks four tackles for loss 
one pass deflection, and three quarterback hits. Seahawks did cover, though. Plus six and uh, under 42. Last night, Thursday night football, Packers getting it done. 24-21 in Arizona. Um, I wasn't impressed by either quarterback. Kyler Murray threw two picks. Um, But this game was crazy. I mean... The fact that the Packers won without Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They were throwing what? to guys like Jawan Winfrey, rookie free agent out of Colorado. Uh, trying what to it, what Hey, I called it. I said, we all picked the Cardinals. Watch the Packers yep. just end up winning. Like, we, we, we jinx ourselves. <laughs> Y'all didn't have I, I to flip. I should have stayed with the Packers, but... Oh, well. Yeah, we I both had the Packers. Y'all didn't have to flip. It's fine. The well, injuries, you know, made made us rethink. Yeah, the, the fact that the top three receivers were all out, <laughs> I was too nervous about that, even though that's pretty much been what Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with his, or for most of his career is a lack of receivers here towards the last couple of years. It was intriguing, but still, when, that... when... Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, when somebody like Devontae Adams is out, that really moves the needle. But then with J.J. Uh, Watt not playing also on Thursday night, I don't know if that really moved the needle back to Green Bay, but that definitely, I think, helped Green Bay a lot. Well, we, we know the 72 Dolphins uh, were able to have their champagne now. Um, the storylines, you know, like you said, you weren't – I agree with you, Rusty, the, the quarterback play – you know, Murray's inter- interception ended essentially, the, I mean, sealed the game. But if you look at Rodgers' numbers, he only had 184 yards. And for me, the player of the game is definitely Aaron Aaron Jones. I mean, not big day necessarily getting to 100 yards on the ground, but he also had 51 yards receiving and had 11 targets. So they, they changed the game plan. I like that. And then the other two storylines is Love and Hopkins just checking himself into the game. And, of oh, course, J.J. Yeah. Watt, just I hate that he's got another season-ending injury. Yeah, I, that's what I was interested, that uh, the needle didn't go back enough with Watt's injury to stick with the Packers for you guys. I thought that was interest, intriguing. Yeah. Um, but let's go to the end of the game. Kyler Murray throws the game-ending interception to Rasul Douglas. I was just, like, jaw to the floor, as probably most, uh-huh. most of the people that were watching were as well. I was just like, how the, like, what are you doing, A.J. Green? How do you not know that the ball is coming to you or aren't ready looking for the ball at all? It's a veteran guy. It's not like it's a rookie. I know. <laughs> I know. I read I did read something today that it was a miscommunication between Murray Ingsbury and the route that he was on was, I guess, the correct one that was maybe called or something. It, it looked like he was blocking for a screen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think it was a miscommunication. Kingsbury and Murray said it was totally their fault. But still, 
you got to know down and distance and time, right? Yeah. And, I mean, huh. when the corner reacts, Release how do you not? Go. Yeah, I mean. I don't, yeah. Yeah, but I do have to say, though, even though that was an ugly play on the Cardinals' part, that was a really good play on Douglas's part to actually secure that interception. Yeah. Former Eagles. And he had a, he had a game, man. He had himself a game. Former Eagles mm-hmm. uh, third-round pick. <laughs> In 2017, I believe it was. Nine uh, tackles, nine solo, two pass deflections, and that interception. Yeah. Yeah. The Packers' defense overall was very solid. I was surprised at that. I think that was partly due to Hopkins not playing the entire game, um, which that helps. It would have been, it been different. It would have been a different game. Even though he got the touchdown negated, he would have opened up if he was 100% downfield plays. That whole mm-hmm. situation made me mad. Uh, the touchdown getting called back, I had a little little four-legger four last night. Um, Hopkins yards, Cobb yards, Hopkins and Cobb touchdowns. Hit on Cobb touchdown, Hopkins yards off his two catches. Uh, but should have had the touchdown. And then I had no idea why they weren't throwing around a Cobb until they got to the red zone. But what? Not to prolong this any longer, but have you like, as a as a being in sports, I always think to myself, this man has an injury, and he's still faster than everybody on the field when when it's one on one coverage. It's just amazing. Like he's that good, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Um, Good night for James Conner. Two scores, not not a lot of yards, but two scores. Um, he's he's a touchdown machine. I believe I believe they said Derrick Henry is the only other person that has more touchdowns than him this year. Mm-hmm. James Conner already has eight through eight games. Um, does this does this put the Packers at the top of the power rankings? Not overall. In the well, NFC, in the I NFC. still probably wouldn't. You know, I I still think the Rams are better. Yeah. And yeah, possibly you get the, the Rams, Cowboys. the Bucks. Possibly the Cowboys are better than the Packers as well. The, bu- the, the Bucks, though, yeah, yeah, the Bucks. Sorry, guys, my phone in RV, but um, yeah, that's a they got got some good teams at the top of this division. Yeah. Besides this game, I, I'm still not sold on the Packers defense. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's the question mark, right? Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers said at the end with Aaron Andrews. Uh, he's like, we got to get off 24. So we keep scoring 24. The defense is doing enough to get us to win. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, another one. Last thing, Devondre Campbell, an amazing, cheap, dirt cheap free agent signing for Brian Gutekunst this this off season. It has paid off tremendously so far. Seven mm-hmm. tackles, four souls, sack, two tackles, loss, and a quarterback hit. Packers plus six and a half, uh, and under fifty-one. Under betters sweating it out at the last moment. Mm. All right, no college news today. Um, I did see that Marshall is officially gone to the Sun Belt, but we already kind of talked about that before. Uh, but let's talk about the trade. We had a trade this week. Not the one people wanted to hear about. (laughs) 
but uh, there was a trade. The Saints are getting reunited with running back Mark Ingram. Um, they got him from the Texans for a measly 2024 seventh-round selection. Um, the Saints have subsequently signed Mark Ingram to a one-year uh, $2.8 million extension, so he is now signed through next season as well. Yeah, I love this deal for for uh, both sides. The Ingram obviously had his best years in New Orleans, where he spent all but last year and half of this year. But uh, I just think that him paired with Alvin Kamara is one of the best running back duos in all of football, even this year. So I'm happy to have him back in New Orleans. Yeah, it, it it does seem like he's lost some some of the shine um, from his time in Baltimore and Houston, but we'll see. We'll see how uh, how much work he gets if he's gonna if they're gonna go back to the normal that they had with either him or Latavius Murray um, for the Saints. So. It was interesting also, I heard just a little bit ago that the Texans wouldn't have done it had any other team tried to trade for Ingram. Um, they said out of respect for him, they would, they only accepted it because it was the Saints. So at least the Texans are doing one thing decent. <laughs> no. Can't say the same for the majority of the rest of their organization. Or I shouldn't say that. Their owner, um, <laughs> but well, I'm curious if there was another uh, Texan and former Saint discussed in that trade as well, though, because he, the the player I'm thinking of, also reacted to the trade very negatively True. on Twitter. Yes, Brandon with uh, yes, Brandon Cooks. He was not too happy about that, and I think he'd be a nice piece for New Orleans, but. It's, again, up to the Texans, obviously. They can't afford Brandon Cooks right now. Well, um, they can't look, I think Mark the Ingram. question is how how many trades do we see the Texans make before the deadline? This is true. Yeah, there's a lot of veterans. That a lot I mean, they've already made a ton about. so far this year. So. Well, yeah, but the the kind of feel out there is that they're going to be on a selling binge trying to accumulate as many picks as they can for the 2022-23 drafts. Um, yeah, I see I see that. As they go young and possibly build around Davis Mills if they have, think they've seen enough from him this year. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be quarterback in the first round next year. So... Uh, the NFL had its annual league meetings for the first time in person in two years. Uh, the biggest thing to come out of that, other than the whole thing with uh, some owners wanting to have the John Gruden email investigation or whatever it was, those reports being released, um, besides that, there were changes to the Rooney Rule hiring practices for minority um, head coaches and executives, or coaches and executives, shit, not head coaches. Um, 
But the changes, uh, they now have, teams now have to interview at least two external minority candidates. Um, that applies to GM and executive of football operations positions and now includes offense, uh, all three coordinator roles as well. Um, they also, out of those two minimum minority candidates, um, they also have to interview at least one of them um, in person. And I think another big thing that came out was teams are now going to be allowed to interview uh, coaching candidates during the last two weeks of the regular season um, with the consent of that coach's team. So, and all those were would be presumably virtually. So, Mark, I don't know if you had any uh, input on the uh, Rooney Rule changes or not, since you're a, a resident coach. I think it, it it's an umbrella to get more people in front of those that are making hiring decisions. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, does it automatically translate that more minority coaches will be hired? No. It does. You know, you still have to fit the need and of the team and the organization, but it's no longer to me a check in the box, mm-hmm. right? Cause it was easy to say, okay, we, we checked that box. Well, now you got to go a little bit further and find, uh, and so it creates that umbrella to have a bigger pool of minorities, which we all know that there's a bunch of people yeah. well-qualified, whether it's former coordinators, former professional athletes, I mean, think of Deuce Staley as one, like, come on, man. He's, he's on the top of my list, you know. Eric, um, I, I always get his name wrong, so I won't say it, but, you the know, enemy. the Chiefs the offensive enemy. coordinator. Yeah, the uh, Eagles beat writer this week had a story about Deuce Staley because the Eagles are playing the Lions this weekend um, and how he probably should have been the Eagles' choice, like I said all along, right. that I yeah. wanted Deuce to be the head coach, and they just didn't go in that direction. But, um, yeah, and and I think on the being a coach, I I think other organ like the NCA should adopt this role. Right, you have an opening, then we need to have two candidates. And I know they're doing their own DEI initiatives, but I don't see why they don't adopt something like this as well. Because the NCAA sucks, and we know that, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another thing that came out of the owners' meetings, uh, they announced the three cities that will bid to host the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. Those are Dallas, Indianapolis, and Los Angeles. Uh, I know there's a very strong contingency of people that want it to stay in Indianapolis. Um and I've been there twice. It is the points that people make are very correct. It's nice. Everything is right there, um, within walking distance. Uh, the stadium, the conference center, 
and like some of the places to eat are right within walking distance of of each other so well you know the guy that stole my team and my childhood love and took it to la built that sofi out there to to hold the draft and combine Mm-hmm. yeah and his friend jerry helped him that's <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's the fun part right yeah, so hopefully it'll stay in Indianapolis. I don't know if I'll be able to get to Combine this year or not. We'll see if, if anyone wants to go with me or not. But uh, The uh, Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, Panthers are out. Panthers announced they are not going to pursue Deshaun Watson at this point. Now, Ian Rappaport did say that in the off season, that's a different story, but uh, right now the Panthers are out. It looks like, and it looks like the Dolphins are the only team left. But uh, and I don't, I, I think that's if we took a vote, we might all have a different view. But I don't know if he gets traded. I don't know if we see him play this year. Nope. I still think the Texans are asking for too much, and teams don't want to pay that. Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores did say today as well that Tua is the starter for the rest of the season, barring injury. Um, granted, we know head coaches lie all the time, so <laughs> maybe he's just saying that to save face, but uh, he's got to say something at this point at 1-6. and six, so. And that's also, that brings into question the GM. You're 1-6, and six, I mean... I don't think that I don't even remember. Is it Chris Greer in Miami? I think is uh, the GM. I believe so. So yeah, I don't think that him and Flores. I don't think their leash is that is very short. Um, I, I think it's still relatively long because they've been to the playoffs um, in the past and were pretty good last year. So. I don't think they they're in danger, and so maybe won't have to swing something drastic like this to to save their jobs. But um, if this was next year and they're one and six, possibly. But at this point, I don't think they have to do something like that drastic for what the Texans are asking. Mm-hmm. I agree. Chris, your team, uh, Jets head coach Robert Sala, he announced uh, quarterback Mike White will be the starter this week. Um, Joe Flacco getting traded back to the Jets. You know, still trying to learn the system and uh, apparently not ready to go this week. Or they just want to start Mike White. <laughs> well, no, I think that the only reason that Flacco's not starting is because of the new system thing. And despite him being a veteran, a week is a tough amount of time to learn a full playbook for a quarterback, especially. So, yeah, I mean, I, well, I do kind of expect though to see Flacco at some point in this game (laughs) on Sunday, because Mike White's going to throw three interceptions in the first half and probably get benched. But, uh, yeah, the, this season is not looking too pretty for the Jets. Or he might get hurt with the Bengals pass rush. 
Uh, well, too. Trey Hendrickson and co. But, uh, yeah, I made sure to pick up the Bengals' defense in fantasy, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Offense, definitely definitely t- difficult to pick up, especially with uh, Michael LaFleur being the O.C. That's a, Kyle, that's a uh, Shanahan-style offense, play action and whatnot. So West Coast. And they're already also going to be down – they're going to be down a few members of the offense as well. So, yeah, not but, a look, but West Coast offense term offensive terminology is just mind blowing when you think about. You know, if you've heard any sound bites of John Gruden calling plays, I know we don't want to bring John Gruden up for certain reasons, but sound bites of of Gruden when he called plays to Derek Carr or. In his Bucks days, I mean, the West Coast verbiage is, verbiage is ridiculously long. So, uh, the another starter announced this week: Texans. Uh, they're going to start Davis Mills once again. Tyrod Taylor not full go yet, um, which they did activate his practice window this week, trying to get him back from IR. And David Colley already has said, you know, that he is a starter when healthy. So. Obviously not 100% this week, but uh, maybe next week for the Texans. Baker Mayfield um, will be back this week for the Browns hosting the Steelers. Um, His fracture has healed a little bit, I guess, or or enough, they said, in his shoulder, and his his labrum tear is okay. So, um, But Baker, let me know when, when T.J. Watt hits you for the first time. And uh, see how you feel after that. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Steelers, linebacker Melvin Ingram wants to be traded from Pittsburgh, uh, decreasing play time with the emergence of second-year linebacker Alex Highsmith. Um, so... We'll have to see. I I don't know how much they'd be able to get from Melvin Ingram. I wouldn't trade him if I was the Steelers. I I, ha- I like having that veteran depth, um, especially because I don't know much about the guys behind the top three, Watt, Highsmith, and Ingram. So I wouldn't trade him just for depth purposes. Uh, a couple people being returned from IR. Uh, the Jets, they designated linebacker Jared Davis and punter Braden Mann uh, to return from IR. Chris, thoughts? I mean, Mann is probably the best draft pick from last year's class. <laughs> so uh, it's good to see him back, and he's probably going to get a lot of action. So that That's... Uh, but... Gerard Davis I'm excited for because he was one of the new shiny uh, free agent signings from this past offseason, and he hasn't seen the field yet. So maybe it'll give a little bit, a little bit of a boost to the defense. Who knows? That's pretty sad when you say a punter is your best draft pick from a draft class. <laughs> uh, but like Rich Eisen says, punters are people too. So, 
the Ravens, they designated defensive end Derek Wolf to return from IR, getting a boost on their defensive line. Uh, I think that'll help them going forward. Eagles, uh, we're going into injuries now. So, Eagles, they placed running back Miles Sanders on IR. He's going to be out the minimum of three games. Um, it's kind of like how I felt about the uh, Christian McCaffrey situation. I don't know why you didn't put him on right away. I mean, it didn't. It, it wasn't the same thing because they, the Panthers, for some reason, held McCaffrey off the IR for like a week or two and then decided to put him on. Um, but this one, it was before the next game. So, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. I know they are going to activate Jordan Howard from the practice squad. Um, so that's who it's going to be going forward. Next three games, anyways. Uh, the Giants. We had a bunch of ACLs this weekend. Uh, Giants play safety Jabril Peppers on IR. He's done for the season. Ruptured ACL and a high ankle sprain. Feel uh, He probably isn't the best player. You know, obviously Leonard Williams is probably the best player the Giants have on defense. James Bradbury as well. But I would put Jabril up there on the Giants defensive players list. So... The uh, Saints, they announced kicker Will Lutz is officially done for the season. Um, I don't even remember what his injury was. I can't remember. Obviously, it's a leg injury, being a kicker. Uh, but, yeah, there was hope that he would return... And uh, the Saints are going to have to go the rest of the year with uh, Brian Johnson, rookie. Oh. Uh, Bears linebacker Khalil Mack not expected to play this week. Uh, may land on IR. He has a foot injury. They're trying to figure out what path he should go, if he should have surgery or not. If he does, most likely done for the year. The Saints guard Andrews Pete feared to have suffered a torn peck. Massive blow to the Saints offensive line. Uh, one of the best guards in the NFL, Andrews Pete. Maybe that's why they couldn't run the ball against Seattle. <laughs> a little bit more in depth for... Cardinals DN JJ Watts injury. He is going to go undergo season-ending shoulder surgery, like we kind of mentioned earlier. The injury itself: dislocated shoulder, torn labrum, torn bicep, and torn rotator cuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of tears in JJ Watts shoulder. <clears throat> Uh, Niners defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw, he had season-ending knee surgery. Uh, just, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a bust at this point, um, but two years, two season-ending injuries for Javon Kinlaw, as a former first-round pick in 2020. So, you know. 
was supposed to be the DeForest Buckner replacement and hasn't even played that many games. <clears throat> Injuries from last night. Packers, two ACL tears from last night. Uh, rookie running back Kylan Hill, that was on the kick return. Um, got hit in the knee towards ACL there. And then uh, on a more major note, tight end Robert Tunyon, also done for the year with an ACL tear. Um, they're going to have to go along with second-year player Josiah DeGuara and uh, veteran Mercedes Lewis at the position from here on out. You know what's interesting, though? Uh, that this injury happened this week and not last week. Because I think if it would have happened last week, the Cardinals would have had competition for Zach Ertz. Yeah. Uh, Jets wide receiver Corey Davis might be out again this week, uh, dealing with his hip flexor injury that he has right now. I heard that he was out already, so... Okay, I, I haven't heard that. I just saw that Sala was talking about it, and then he might be out. Yeah. The uh, two two receivers that I know are officially out are Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown and uh, Titans wide receiver Julio Jones, both out once again. Give me A.J. Brown targets, baby. Um, Charters running back Austin Eckler He's questionable with a hip injury He picked up on Wednesday So possibly Josh Kelly Justin Jackson game coming up And uh, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott He's questionable with a calf injury And Kind of following it through the week It has seemed like it's He's not going to play In my mind It just seems like it's trending toward that I heard the opposite, though. I heard that they said he didn't look any different than normal. Like, I don't know. I mean, they, they said, you know, Cooper Rush took first team on Wednesday, which is normal that they said that happens every week. But I don't know. It just it feels like he's not going to play, which would probably throw off my pick, but that's fine. Uh, the Raiders, they released wide receiver Willie Sneed per his request. Uh, he is now signed on the Panthers practice squad. And the Giants, I thought this was weird. They waived corner Josh Jackson, who they acquired in a trade from the Packers prior to the season. Um, and he just got signed by the Chiefs practice squad. So he, I would assume, would play... Almost immediately. Probably not this weekend, but, you know, I would assume they want to get him on the field as quick as possible considering how crappy their secondary is right now. I mean, they don't play till Monday night, so that Maybe. extra day might give them, yeah. give them a chance to play. You're right. Maybe. Um, and then the Chargers, they signed kicker Dustin Hopkins and released kicker Tristan Vizcano. Massive upgrade, I feel like. I know I picked him up in a couple leagues uh, for this weekend's game against the Patriots. I'm, I'm excited for Dustin Hopkins. 
And finally, the Ravens, they signed off the tackle Cedric Abuhi to the practice squad. They are on a bye this week. But I uh, mentioned Patrick McCarry, the right tackle, has a sprained ankle. So possibly Abuhi could be um, starting coming out of the Ravens' bye, depending on McCarry's situation. All right, let's get to college pick standings here. Mark and I... We we got three on Chris from last week. Um, I'm still six out from Mark because he just picks all the same games that I do. Um, and uh, I did gain on Chris, like I said, three games. So a little closer at the bottom, but... All right, uh, one game tonight. There are two technically, but we're not going to pick the other one because it's a matchup of three and four lost teams. But uh, UNLV at Nevada tonight. Uh, Wolfpack getting 20 and a half. And actually, I got to I gotta make sure I keep checking the uh, spreads because I know a bunch of the college ones have changed. Um, 19 and a half for Nevada in this one. UNLV's put up a fight um, against some some decent teams like Fresno State. Um, they, they put up a really good fight against Fresno State, but I think Carson Strong is going to want this one. With the the close loss to Fresno last week, I think Carson Strong is going to ball out and they're going to blow UNLV yeah. out. Quarterback play. One team has better one than the other. <laughs> Over-under is 59, and I think it goes over. Like I said, UNLV's been pretty scrappy, and uh, I think they're going to score some score enough points to get it over. I think Nevada can score at least 42. Um, so, 10 p.m. on CBS Sportsnet. Now, tomorrow, starting off, number two, Cincinnati at Tulane. The mean green wave. Um... Will it be a red wave after Cincinnati <laughs> put some blood oh, in yeah. it? <laughs> Boy, you know, I don't know that anyone would have thought Tulane would be 1-6, though, after their first game against Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. Um, they they kind of just put all their, their eggs in one basket, and then they couldn't get it done from there. But, uh, yeah. I like Cincinnati. Jerome Ford's going to run the ball again. Should be running it well once again. And Desmond Ritter be able to pick apart the secondary. Over-under is 62, though. I don't know if Cincinnati's going to be able to get it themselves. Yeah, that's pretty high. So, maybe under? I don't know, though. Depends on maybe, you know, the score and how long starters stay in, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it uh, it's 27 for uh, Cincinnati here. So, 12 p.m. ESPN2. The big one. The, big, yeah. the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, probably. Yep. I mean, as far as ranked rankings go. Number six, Michigan, at number eight, Michigan State, for Paul Bunyan's axe. Um, 
Mark is Lone Wolf in the Wolverines. You know, it's kind of funny. I had Michigan State written on my text to you first, and then I said, you know what? I bet you they're all going with Michigan State, and I do love I love their coach, obviously. I talked about him a lot, but I really – this is why I'm picking them, and it has no football reason. So maybe if I win, it, it'll be cool. If not, I'll look like maybe weird. I want Michigan to go undefeated and then lose that last game to Ohio State. So I don't want them to trip up just yet, if that makes sense. Like, I want them going into that game going, oh, yeah, this is our year to beat Ohio State. We're undefeated. And then, boom, face plant. I don't. I hate Ohio State more than I hate Michigan. <laughs> um, so, but, uh, that, yeah. That's, a, that's the only reason. I mean, I think it'll be a good game. This one's in East yeah. Lansing. That was a factor. And also... Mm-hmm. I usually revert to the quarterback play, you know me, and I've yeah. I I'm not a Cade McNamara guy. I, I like Peyton Thorn. Um, he's younger, but you know both teams are should be able to run the ball. Maybe not. I mean both defenses are very good, but um, I think quarterback. I like play, Michigan State's defense better. I think quarterback play comes down to it. And it won't come down to it if Michigan can do what they have been doing all season, which is running the ball with Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. Um, but, again, I hate this, though, because stupid Fox, with their stupid big noon kickoff, has to have this game at noon. I don't understand why they can't just do what game day does. They'll go to a spot that has a night game, but then they're there early, before the noon kickoffs. I don't understand why Fox can't do that. I'm with you. Like, have it at night. Who cares if you're there early? <coughs> Stupid. Uh, over-under is 51, which is interesting. Um, said their defenses were good. Mm-hmm. And they both run the ball. Defenses are so good. Michigan's given up 14.3. State's given up 18.7. <laughs> but they're both scoring over 34 points per game. So what yeah, I feel like I feel like this game, the offenses will be the story of the game. So I think it'll hit the over. Which one cracks first? Both teams, 200-plus rushing yards per game as well, like I said. Uh, 12 p.m. on Fox. Like I said, stupid big noon kickoff. Number nine, Iowa. See, they could have had this game as the big noon kickoff game. Why? You know, go. Go to this one. And then, you know, we can have Michigan, Michigan State later. Uh, But, yeah, number nine, Iowa at Wisconsin. It's weird that Wisconsin is favored um, by three. Is three, but we're all on the Hawkeyes. That means the Badgers are gonna win. Yep. Right, Mark. <laughs> uh. Again, it, I don't. I Grant Mertz sucks. I don't understand how Wisconsin even is keep winning. Well, I know why they won last week because they got turnovers from Purdue. But yeah. And I mean that's what Purdue did to Iowa. So. Maybe Wisconsin, with that logic, does have a chance. Yeah, I 
very hesitantly picked Iowa because of their performance that they had against Purdue. And then, obviously, like you just mentioned, the game between Purdue and Wisconsin last week. But Purdue is – I mean, Iowa is the uh, – I just think the overall better team. You already mentioned Mertz for Wisconsin. We all know how bad he is. Iowa's got some pretty good players, though, on both sides, I think. And even though it is in Wisconsin, I think that Iowa can easily secure those. Yeah, this is uh I like the I like the Hawkeye defense to get turnovers off of Graham Mertz. Uh, this is a rivalry game too, I believe, right Mark? I don't know where Mark went. <laughs> I believe it is though. I believe it is a trophy game. I just um. I can't keep track of all the trophies. I know some of them, but there's there's way too many to, to know them all. Over under, you ready for this one? Thirty seven. <laughs> that is. I hate when they. I hate when they're in the thirties. That is interesting. Similar to the Michigan game. Uh, Iowa's giving up 14.6, Wisconsin 18.4, and Iowa's scoring 28, Wisconsin scoring 21.1. <laughs> I think it'll go over, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Iowa will score enough. Uh, 12 p.m. ESPN. Texas at number 16, Baylor. And Chris, I guess I guess I haven't learned my lesson yet. Um, nope. But again, I, I I just think Texas is the better offense. Uh, I can't say they're the better defense because they've let some teams score a lot of points, but. I can't go against B. John Robinson and Casey Thompson. Uh, I mean, like you said, I think Baylor has the better defense. I mean, you said the all the right points. I do think Texas has the better offense. But I've been rolling with Baylor pretty much all season. <laughs> and they've gotten me some points here. So I'm sticking with them. I mean, they are the favorite. They are the home team. They are the ranked team. So everything's pointing in their direction. And so I'm just going to stick with them. going to roll with them. Rolling with your guy, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry Bohannon. Uh, and Mark rolled with me on this one, so you're lucky that he didn't pick with you. That's why he's well, picking Texas. Well, am I lucky or am I going to be down another game? Who knows? And that's why he's picking Texas, though. Uh... Over-under is pretty big, 62, and I think it goes over. Like I said, offense, offenses. 12 p.m. ABC. ACC matchup Miami at number 17, Pitt. Uh, The Panthers getting a nine. 
Kenny Pickett, baby. Kenny Pickett. That's all you got to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's the only reason I went with Pitt. Yeah, man. And, I, I mean, I was obviously on Miami's train early in the season, but I've since jumped off a long time ago, and I'm never picking them again. At least not this year. Yeah, you know me. I, I got upset from Miami losing me a parlay because they couldn't beat uh, North Carolina a couple weeks ago. But uh, I, I'm still hesitant to place my wager for Kenny Pickett Heisman. I like the odds at plus 1,000, but it's – I think Pitt has to get a little bit more national attention. And obviously by the time – if they win the ACC championship – um, that'll be too late at that point, and odds will definitely not be a thousand. Who's the favorite right now for Heisman? Yeah, Matt Corral, I believe. Uh, it might be it might be Bryce Young. They're pretty close. Uh, over under is sixty two. And I'm going under because I, I don't think Miami can can get enough points. Even though they scored a lot against NC State. They scored 31 last week. Pitt's defense is, is better. 12 p.m. ACC Network. UMass at Liberty, Battle of Independence. And uh, what quite the battle it will be. <laughs> The Flames. There's no question that Liberty wins this one. The Flames. Although they they already lost a couple that they should have won, but the Flames are getting 35 and a half, one point over a touchdown to to cover, and um, yeah, they'll win. But again, like you mentioned, close one against Troy, that they only won eight by eight, and they lost to Syracuse by three. And then uh, UL Monroe, they lost two by three, and then only beat North Texas last week by nine. So, who knows what it is? It is in Virginia at Liberty. So, yeah, Liberty wins, but UMass I think does cover. Wow, over under fifty eight. No, <laughs> no, no. Twelve p.m. ESPN three. Texas State at Louisiana Sunbelt matchup here. And I you know, I went with the Cajuns, but I, I don't know why. In, in the back of my mind, I, I wanted to look at what Texas State's season has been like. And they've played almost all their games close. Except for two. One, they lost by eight last weekend at Georgia State. And they got blown out by Eastern Michigan. But they also have an FCS loss. They lost to Incarnate Word. Um, lost to Baylor by nine. You know. But it's fine. Levi Lewis and the Cajun, Raging Cajun offense should get it done. Um like I said, Texas State's played pretty close to a lot of teams, so I don't know if 21 gets 
gets covered by Louisiana, but over under is fifty eight, and I'm actually going under. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Twelve p.m. ESPNU. Number two, Iowa State at West Virginia. Uh, Iowa State back in the rankings, and uh, we're back on them. <laughs> Unfortunately, Chris, they're not going to be able to win enough to get to where you had them uh, in the college football playoff top six. Nope. But uh, they should win this one at least, playing a lot better um, with Brees Hall and Matt Campbell getting it done there. Is in Morgan. Yeah, even though I was gonna say even though it's in West Virginia, but yeah, Iowa State should uh, should look good in this one. But it's not a night game in Morgantown, which is a plus. Mm. Over under is forty eight, and I am going with over. Even though Iowa State's defense played really, really well, I think their offense will get a good amount of points. 2 p.m. on uh, Big 12 Network and ESPN+. Plus. It's a great game, the next one here. Washington State at Arizona State. Uh, All right. Yeah, I'm Low Wolf and the Cougars. They don't have a head coach. Uh... This is their second game without Nick Rolovich. And look, I think I think Washington State's been playing pretty well. Uh, they they only lost to BYU last week by two. You know, they beat they've beaten Oregon State. They beat Stanford, who beat Oregon. So, you know, they beat Cal. Um, and then they, you know, they started out not very well, losing to Utah State, USC, and Utah. But uh, like I said, they've won three out of the last four. And Arizona State, however, they got beat up by 14 against Utah last week. You know they've lost. They've won three out of the last four as well against Colorado, UCLA, and Stanford. I don't know. I just had a feeling about the Cougars this weekend. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just the spread alone made me pick Arizona State. Sixteen is a big spread. I mean, I know we've had we have a few that are was... even bigger than that, but still. It's a double-digit spread, and even though that's a bigger deal in the NFL, I still think it's a big deal here, and I think Arizona State wins by two touchdowns. I was going to say, Chris, you know me, man. I'm not I'm not shy of picking up big underdogs. You know, pick, picked two nine-point nine underdogs so far this week, this year. Uh, so yeah. I'm down. I'm down for a 16-pointer. Uh <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't get a win for a cover like our NFL dogs, but it's all right. 
Washington State wins on the road outright. Over under 53. And um, I'm going over. Yeah. 3 p.m. on FS1. Hawaii at Utah State. Normally, I would say this is going to be a lot close. This is going to be a pretty, pretty close game. Um, but Hawaii, I know last time I watched them play when they played against Nevada uh, two weeks ago, they had all kinds of quarterback injuries. And if Chevin Cordero is playing then I think they have a chance. Um, but if it's if it's Shager, Braden Shager, the freshman, I think Utah State can cover the spread and roll along with Logan Bonner in the offense. Over-under is 65. I don't like it. Like I said, I, I'm not a big believer in the in the freshman for Hawaii. If yeah. that's who it is. And this one, no network attached, but 3 p.m. Go, damn dogs, Mark. Where are you at? This is our game. This is the game that Mark is at this weekend. He's in Jacksonville. He's going to watch Georgia beat Florida. I don't know, but yeah, Florida should, I mean, Georgia should win this one. I don't know if I should say easily, but they're going to win. And now Mark's gone. Mark is gone. I don't know. Yeah, I was at this game last week, uh, last year. Is fantastic atmosphere in at TIA Bank Field um, in Jacksonville, where the Jaguars play. Um, it's a rivalry, but yeah, I think Georgia can get it done. I'm not gonna say anything about the spread because people have questioned the spreads with Georgia all year, and I believe they only haven't covered one time. That was against Kentucky on a last-second touchdown. Um, so, I wouldn't be surprised if they cover. And it's interesting because neither team is announcing their starting quarterback yet until game time. So, we have no idea if it's going to be JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett for Georgia and whether it's going to be Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson for Florida. I mean... I don't think it matters either way for Georgia. I think both those quarterbacks are more than capable of running that offense. For Florida, though, on the other hand, I don't know. Might be a little bit bigger of a deal for them. I mean, you know me. I, I've said Anthony Richardson all along just because he's the better passer in my mind. Which you saw against LSU. He, he uh, led Florida to four touchdown drives, I believe it was, in the second half. I'm hoping it's JT Daniels, though. 
I want JT in this kind of game, um, big stage. Over-under is 51, and I, I'm going under. We know mm -hmm. the unders have consistently hit with Georgia, so. Yeah, the Georgia defense is just too good. It holds the opponents down. Uh, 3.30 SEC on CBS. I will be at the bar watching this one with my, uh, hopefully there's a bunch of people there, fellow Georgia alums, Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee Georgia Alumni Association chapter. So, Big 12, Texas Tech at number four, Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners getting 19 here. I don't think they cover. But I do think Texas Tech is, is decent. Mm. But the fact that it's in Norman um, is a big deal. And I don't think they have enough offense to hang with Caleb Williams and the Sooners. Yeah, I mean, not much to say about this one. Texas Tech is, a, like you said, they're a decent team, but they're playing in Oklahoma. So, I Oklahoma wins this one. Over-under is 67, though. It's a Big 12 kind of over-under. Uh, and I don't think it gets there. I, I don't I don't know if Texas Tech's going to score in the 30s. Well, I was going to say, I think it can, but I don't think it will. Yeah. 3.30 on ABC. Pac-12, Colorado at number 7, Oregon. This is the first time we've had Colorado all year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, we had them a bunch last year. They were on a roll, but uh, haven't been able to figure out the quarterback situation. And my guy, Jarek Broussard, is, is having a tough season as well. 337 and two touchdowns off 84 carries. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they, have a, they have a freshman quarterback, Brendan Lewis, playing for him right now, so... Not surprising that they're struggling. Then Eugene, so uh, go Ducks. They can get it done. Mm -hmm. Twenty-four and a half for Oregon. Over under is forty-nine. Forty-nine. Mm. Yes, it goes over. Even with Kayvon Thibodeau, I know. It's going to go over, though. 3.30 on Fox. Minnesota at Northwestern. I don't think this is going to be as good of a game as last week was for Minnesota uh, against Maryland. I thought that one was going to be more competitive. But uh, maybe this one will be because last week was... At Minnesota, 
this one's at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. It's just that Pat Fitzgerald's team has not been the, the team that they were last season this year. So, And, and P.J. Flex got the Gophers rolling right now. Oh, yeah. And if they can get some help, if they can get some help from a team like Wisconsin this weekend, I mean, Minnesota's going to be the lead dog. Actually, they wouldn't because of head-to-head. Um, actually, uh, no. No, they would because Purdue lost last weekend to Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean, Minnesota could be the lead dog in the Big Ten West, man, after this weekend, possibly. Are they st- uh, still getting seven and a half here? And uh, over under is forty four, pretty low. Yeah. And that's that's a tough one. I I don't know. I think it goes just over. I can see that. Just the the quarterback play for Northwestern has been uninspiring, to say the least. Yeah. 3.30 Big Ten Network. UL Monroe at Appalachian State. I was surprised no one went. No one wanted to go with the, with the, Haw- the Hawks or whatever nope. we said they were. Uh... No. I mean, UL Monroe to me is still one of the worst teams in all of college football, <laughs> despite their 4-3 and three record and their surprise wins that they've had this year. Two-game win streak. It's it's in App State, <laughs> and they're such a heavy favorite. I couldn't go against them. Yeah, I think Chase Bryce has played very well since they got demolished by Louisiana two weeks ago. Um and like you said, it's in Boone, North Carolina for Appalachian State. Should be a pretty decent win. Again, I don't like the points because of UL Monroe being on their high horse right now. Two two wins in a row, four and three, two wins out of a bowl appearance. Yeah, I don't like the points. Let's take take the plus twenty seven. Over-under is 58, though. And I'm going under. 3.30 ESPN+. Plus. ACC action. Duke at number 13. Wake Forest. Demon Deeks going to roll in this game. I don't know if they're going to put up 70 like they did against Army, but... Nah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think the Duke's defense might be a little better than Army's was. No, they're not. But <laughs> I'm just saying, they still might perform a little bit better than Army's defense did. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough to put up 70 points, though, no matter what. So I, I don't think they're going to put up that many. But Duke's giving up 31.6 points per game, Chris. <laughs> yeah, so I can see like fifty something. <laughs> and Lake Forest is scoring forty three point one. Uh the last three 
games, all losses for Duke, they've given up 38, 31, and 48. And even in their win against Kansas, they gave up 33, but they won 52 to 33. I mean, Wake Forest defense isn't playing that much better. They've given up 34 to Louisville, 37 to Syracuse, and 56 to Army the last three weeks, so... So this should be a very high-scoring affair. No. I don't think so. Duke's scoring only 27 points per game. Demon Deke's getting 16.5. Love Sam Hartman in this one. Jakari Robertson, Christian Beale-Smith, and uh, A.T. Perry on offense here. Mm. Over-under is 72. <laughs> if you want the high-scoring game, you can take it, Chris, but I am not I, taking well, that. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. I think that it can get to that. I think that Wake Forest can easily score in the 40s, possibly even in the 50s, which would mean that Duke would only have to score in the 20s, and I think that could happen. I don't. I think, if anything, it goes two points under at 10 touchdowns even. 4 p.m. on ACC Network. UTEP at FAU. Again, Mark, I think, had to go to dinner. That's uh, that's why I think he left, probably. But, uh, yeah, Mark's rolling with the Miners. He yeah. is lone wolfing. I, I almost did, too. I almost went with the Miners, too, because of their surprised. record and all that. But... Then I saw FAU, despite their record, they're 11-point favorites, which I was confused about. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to roll with the favorite then because I didn't look into it, but I was very surprised at this spread. Well, I'll tell you why. Because FAU's played a lot better competition. Um, they've played the top conference teams, and UTEP hasn't yet. Also... UTEP's offense isn't isn't that great when you look at the numbers. They're only scoring 24 points per game. 25 if you round up. And and they're giving up about 19. So pretty good defensively, but um FAU scoring about 31 points per game. So touchdown better and they're only giving up 21. But like I said, they play better competition. They they just demolished Charlotte last week who is one of the better teams in, in Conference USA you know they that's really their big their big statement on the on their resume but like I said they've played the better competition they've played UAB they've played Air Force they've played Florida um, whereas UTEP hasn't I, I don't really like any of their games. I mean, they, they got demolished by Boise State. That's their the best team they played. Other than Louisiana Tech last week, which they beat by 16 points. So. Probably maybe not take the spread, but FAU I like. With, um, do you know how their quarterback is there? Uh, 
I I forget who. It is Miami transfer Nikosi Perry. Oh yeah. And they also have Johnny Ford, USF transfer running back, being their leading rusher right now. Oh. Over under is forty nine. I don't think it gets there. Like I said, the defenses are giving up 19 and 21, respectively. 24 points on offense, 31 for FAU. Those numbers don't necessarily add up. Well, yeah, the defenses are giving up a combined 40 points a game. So, yeah, I don't think it gets there. 6 p.m. ESPN+. Plus pretty good matchup here number 10 Ole Miss at number 18 Auburn I was I was surprised no one took Auburn I was I was, I was just about to say that but I'm going with the Heisman favorite or you know presumably Heisman favorite I don't know if he's exactly is or not but love me some Matt Corral and and the uh, Ole Miss defense can surprise you even though Auburn's playing a lot better now yeah. yeah, Auburn's had some pretty good games this year. Um, and, I mean, signs are pointing to them being the winner of this one. But, like you said, I had to go with the the Heisman candidate, the hot hand, whatever you want to call it. And, I mean, they are the higher-ranked team. They have the better record. Those are all things, obviously, I take into account when I pick these. And, yeah, even though they are the underdog, I had a role with Ole Miss. Yeah. It will be a tough environment at Jordan-Hare Stadium at night, but <laughs> Matt Corral's good to go. He got stuff thrown at him at Tennessee. I think he, he can do all right at, at Auburn. Yeah. Overrunner is pretty high, like it is in all Ole Miss games, 66 and I, I like the under because I think both defenses are going to keep it under. 7 p.m. on ESPN. Number 12, Kentucky. Um, this one has changed. At Mississippi State, the the Bulldogs are a one-point favorite here. Um, at home. So was a pick game when I put the slide up, but yeah, now it's a Mississippi State one-point favorite. I don't think it matters, though. <laughs> Kentucky has a nice game plan. They played very well. I think Kentucky has played the, the best out of any team that's played against Georgia this year. Um, two weeks ago, and... I think their game plan sets up nicely against Mississippi State, who likes to throw the ball. They're not going to give Will Rogers many drives. Chris Rodriguez and uh, Will Levis on offense get that running game going. Defense plays outstanding, and Cats win. I like it. Overrunner is 47. 47 and 
I mean, that's seven touchdowns total. That's not that bad, but. Yeah, but like I said, I like. And the, the score Kentucky. being like 28 to 21. I like the Kentucky running game, though. I think they're going to limit possessions for Mississippi State, like I said. I'm going to go under. Sure. <laughs> uh, 7 p.m. SEC Network. Kansas at number 15, Oklahoma State. Cowboys getting 30 here. This is about as much of a lock as we have on the slate this week. But the 30 and a half, again, it's a huge spread. I hate uh, (laughs) picking the huge spread, so I'm glad we're not picking based on spread. But, yeah, Oklahoma State runs away with this one. Yeah, if if this was like last week, if this one was in Kansas, I think it'd be a different story. Uh, not who wins it, but as far as the spread goes. But yeah, it's it's at Oklahoma State um, in Stillwater. So yeah, Mark's cousin gets it done. Jalen Warren. And uh, they roll. Over under is fifty five though. And, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it does get there. I think it all depends on how much Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Kansas can score. Very easy to switch up Kentucky and Kansas, UK, UK and KU. So. Yep. 7 p.m. FS1. Number 19, SMU at Houston. This one has stayed a pick'em game. Um, and we are all picking the Mustangs. Um, Tanner Mordecai, need I say more? <laughs> uh, he's pretty much the reason I picked them, too. Uh <laughs> But I'm kind of surprised that nobody went with Houston because, I mean, this is a, a pick em game, like you said, and it is in Houston, so that's at least one advantage towards Houston. But I just think SMU's offense is just too good. You know why no one picked Houston? Because Mark rolled with me on this one. And it didn't matter because you already, already picked SMU too. Uh-huh. Over under is 62. Over. <laughs> 7 p.m. ESPN 2. Oregon State at Cal. Oregon State coming off a massive win against Utah. Um, and Cal, I don't think uh, this was the last game. No. They're coming off big win. They rolled Colorado 26-3. to I was thinking their last game was that Oregon Friday night game, but that was two weeks ago. So Cal's playing a lot better. But I like the Beavers, dude. Chance Nolan, they have found their quarterback. And uh, I really can't name anyone else on the Oregon State team, but 
<laughs> Chance Nolan, I do know, and he's playing very well for the Beavs. Um. Over under is fifty five. Um, I don't like it. I I'm not sold on Chase Garbers in the Cal offense. Nope. So. 7 p.m. Pac-12 network, which I don't. Only network I don't get. Makes me mad. I gotta stream. Gotta stream any game that's on Pac-12. All right, let's get to College Game Day's game tonight at the Shoe. Number 20 Penn State at number five Ohio State. Ohio State's getting 19 and a half now. Huh. Now, we all know why you went with Penn State. Because <laughs> you are a Penn State fan and a Ohio State hater. Normally, I don't like Ohio State either. But just in this matchup, especially it being in Ohio State, I couldn't go against them. Yeah. Um, one thing that, that gives me confidence is Obviously, Penn State's defense. It's it's strength against strength. Penn State's defense versus Ohio State's offense. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily uh, believe what I've been hearing out of Penn State this week. But the word is that Sean Clifford is 100% healthy going into this game. Unlike he was going into the Illinois game. So if that's the case, regardless of how well Ohio State's defense has been playing as of late, I still think Penn State has enough in the passing game to get it done. And maybe Penn State needs to do something like they've done in the past. You know, block a kick. Get a return, somewhat of a, somehow get a return touchdown. Maybe Jahan Dotson takes one back on a punt return. You just have to get, when you're going into a hostile environment against the top five team in the country and you're a severe underdog, I mean, you got to do something outside of the norm to swing the momentum. And I think uh, Penn State can get it done here. But again, it, it is also me and a me being a Penn State homer. So, <laughs> over under is sixty one. I'm going under. Like I said, Penn State's <clears throat> defense, dude. Penn State's defense. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Seven thirty ABC. North Carolina at number 11, Notre Dame. The Irish getting three and a half points. They have looked a lot better as of late. Um, And I think it will continue against a porous North Carolina defense. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pick UNC in this game for, uh, for my cousin, but I couldn't. UNC has not had the greatest season, uh, despite what many 
expected from UNC. And Notre Dame, I mean, you said they've been playing better of late, but they still have a 6-1 and one record. They're still the number 11 team in the country right now. And, uh, yeah, I just think that they continue rolling in this one. Yeah, I think Kyra Williams has another great game on the ground. And uh, Irish get the win here. Number uh, over or under is pretty big, 63. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I don't either. I'm just checking to see how many points Notre Dame gives up, 23. Now, Carolina's scoring 37 a game. Dang. Notre Dame scoring 31. And Carolina gives up 29 points per game. So, maybe just under. But like I said, I think Notre Dame's playing a lot better. So I think, I think mm-hmm. more than just under. 7.30 on NBC. Louisville at NC State. Chris is lone wolfing the wolf pack. You're, but you're, see, you're not lone wolfing though. You're, you're joining the wolf pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I couldn't go against them because uh, we've seen on this show what they do to us when we go against them, especially Mark. So I like that he didn't go with them because that means they're going to win. Yeah, he, usually he actually did pick Louisville in this one. Um, it wasn't a roll with Rusty scenario. But uh, NC State lost to Miami last week. I got Louisville right when they beat Boston College, and I think I'm going to get Louisville right again on the road at NC State because of my reasoning I picked them against Boston College. Malik Cunningham. Granted, I think overall NC State has a better offense, but NC State's defense is not that great. So I'm going with the better quarterback, not necessarily a better offense. Over-under is 56, and I like the over. Yep. 7.30 ACC Network. Virginia at number 25, BYU. Uh, Cougars getting two and a half here. (laughs) But I'm rolling with the Cavaliers. On the road in Provo at night. I wouldn't be surprised if if you win this one. I I seriously considered going with Virginia, but in the end I just couldn't go against BYU in Utah and I mean I don't think that they're as good as they were last year obviously but I still think they're good enough in this one and I think that they come out with the win this is head coach Bronco Mendenhall's first game against his former squad in BYU six years ago he was hired by Virginia from BYU and the thing is, Virginia is hot. BYU is not. Uh, 
I mean, they are scoring points at will right now. Their last four games, 30 against Miami, 34 against Louisville, 48 against Duke, 48 against Georgia Tech last week. And BYU, like I said, on the other hand, is not scoring uh, or losing. You know, they only scored 21 in a two-point win over Washington State last week. Two weeks ago, they lost to Baylor by 14 points, only scored 24. And then three weeks ago, they lost to Boise State, only scored 17. So I'm going with the recency trend here. And uh, Cavaliers on a four-game win streak, they can get it done on the road. Like I said, it's going to be a tough environment, though. Provo is hard to, hard to win at. At night, anyways. Over-under is 65. And I'm going over. Like I said, Virginia, very good offense right now with Brennan Armstrong and, and company. 10-15 ESPN 2. Last FBS game we have Fresno State at number 21, San Diego State. And uh, it, it is actually flipped. It is flipped. Fresno State, a one-point favorite on the road at San Diego State. Chris, you are lone-wolfing the Aztecs here. Yeah, I mean, I know how hot Fresno State has been uh, for most of the season. But San Diego State has been just as good, if not better. I mean, obviously, they have the better record. They are the ranked team in this one. They are the home team. So everything's pointing to them winning. Um, and even with the flip, I still think that they I still think that they can pull this one out. But uh, do you know why it flipped two points? I do not. Like is there a major injury or something? I couldn't I wouldn't think that it would be a major injury. It's pr- when it's yeah, a when it's injury. a little when it's a little two point swing, um, I highly doubt it's anything major. It's probably just people um, putting more money on Fresno State. But uh, thing that I'm going with Fresno State, you know, I picked against them last week with Nevada. But I'm going back to Jake Hayner. He is my warrior. He's my spirit animal. And uh, I'm not sold again on the San Diego State quarterbacks, whichever one it is, whether it's um, Jordan Brookshire or Lucas Johnson. I mean, you look at the last two games, they've been uninspiring for the San Diego State offense. Uh, Two weeks ago... At San Jose State, they win by 6, 19-13 in double overtime. And then last week against Air Force, they were up 20 to nothing. They didn't score the rest of the game. They only won 20 to 14. Fresno State, though, you know, after they lost to Hawaii three weeks ago by three points, you know, 17 nothing against Wyoming, so 17, not that much. But, you know, last week beating Nevada 34-32, I think, was a big momentum boost. So... I like Jake Hayner and, and the Bulldogs. 
Over-under is 45. Over. Because of Fresno State's offense. That's why. And also, well, that actually... What do you say? <laughs> I don't know if it's your internet or my internet. I don't know, probably mine. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I'm surprised that the overrunner is only in the mid 40s there for that. Yeah, one thing that I just thought of about um, that could be the why it flips to Fresno State. Possibly if uh, Ronnie Rivers is playing for Fresno, went out with an injury against Nevada last week. If he's playing, that might have been able to flip it to Fresno State's advantage. I don't think it matters because they showed against Nevada that they were still able to run the ball with... Um, I'm forgetting his first name, but Mims. I don't remember if it was Jordan Mims. Uh, but yeah. All right, FCS game of the week, number three, Southern Illinois at number 16, Northern Iowa. And Mark said roll with me on this one. Again, it doesn't matter. I, I guess I need to do a better job of picking FCS games so we don't keep picking the same team because I don't think we've I don't think we've wavered at all in the FCS this year. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of tough, though. I mean, you and I texted about it when we were doing the picks. This was the only uh, ranked versus ranked game this mm-hmm. week. So doing a game of the week, this is going to happen a lot. And it just so happens that Southern Illinois is usually in the game of the week. Um, I mean, obviously there was a couple other good matchups this week, but this was probably the best of them all. But, yeah. Southern Illinois, I don't think we'll have any problem in this one. Oh, I think they'll have problems. The UNI's pretty scrappy, but I have no idea who this quarterback is. Theo Day for UNI. And I do know Nick Baker for the Salukis has been playing outstanding. Now, I don't like that he's thrown seven interceptions. Um, but him and Landon Lenore, the, the wide receiver... They are guiding, and and the Saluki defense as well is always very good. So we'll see. Maybe when we get to the FCS playoffs, we'll we'll have different picks. But uh, this one is five p.m. on ESPN Plus. NFL pick standings. Chris is back on top. Mark and I were terrible. Uh-huh. We, we were terrible last week, dude. I mean, it was... We all had really bad weeks. You didn't have a bad week. You went five above 500. What do you mean? Oh, I was eight and three? I thought it was a lot worse. No. <laughs> no. Uh, there was just a lot of upsets last week. Yeah. Uh, so, I thought I did a lot worse. But I guess I picked some of the upsets. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you alone walked the stupid Falcons. Um, but anyways, Chris up on Mark by one. I am still down by seven. All right, Eagles at the Lions. Mark is on Detroit. He's wow. Running, he's going with his his old best friend Jared Goff. 
uh, at home and wants the Lions to get their first win against the Eagles. Hey, I mean, it is in Detroit. Uh, and this has nothing to do with this game, but the only undefeated team just got their first loss, so why can't the only winless team get their first win this week? Because they're the Lions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just I don't like this game at all. Uh, I think I could see how both teams could win. Maybe both teams will win, Chris, and maybe we tie. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I think the Eagles, they keep saying the right stuff throughout the week. It's just not coming together on the field. And I think this is a, a good – I'm not going to say that word because then it will backfire on me if I do say that phrase. Um, so I'm not going to say that. But uh, what I was thinking, because <laughs> I know, I know it will backfire if I say it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a good game for the Eagles. I, I They match up well. It'll be tough to cover DeAndre Swift out of the backfield with the lack of talent, I guess, if you want to call it that, on the Eagles linebacker part. But it is the return of Darius Slay to Detroit. I was about to say, is that the first game for him? Against them? Yeah, yeah. I think I think he'll get a pick. Um, so, and I like Jalen Hurts, man. Even without Miles Sanders, the 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 offense might even be better without Miles Sanders. No offense to him, but I think they drafted Kenneth Gainwell for a reason, and mm-hmm. he's going to be the number one back. So, mm-hmm. over under is forty eight. Forty-eight. <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Let's score some points. AFC North matchup: Steelers at the Browns. Yes, this this is sort of me being a Steelers fan, but also I think that they can do it. I mean, I don't want to say it, it's it's they're still the Browns. Because they're not, but we talked about Mayfield playing this week, and I just think I'm not sold that his shoulder's 100%. I, like I said, I want Baker to let everyone know how he feels after he gets hit by T.J. Watt for the first time in the game. The Browns have some injury issues at tackle, so that makes the, the Steelers' pass rush with T.J. Watt even more potent. And we'll see. Uh, I know Nick Chubb is questionable for this game that I saw in fantasy, so have to see if he plays or not. Uh, I kind of need him to play in our keeper league, I believe it is. So maybe maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. But I still think he, the the Steelers have enough on defense specifically to get it done. And coming off the bye, I think the, the Steelers can can. Steal one in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the Browns simply because, I mean, the Steelers have been kind of a disappointment, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think, this year. Um, And, yes, they still have that great defense, but 
we saw what the Browns did last week. That was last week, right, against the Broncos? Mm-hmm. And the Broncos have a pretty good defense in themselves. I mean, it's not the level the Steelers have, but uh, I still think the Browns uh, have enough on both sides of the ball to get the job done. I do have to say to that point about the Broncos, Vaughn Miller wasn't didn't play the majority of that game. <laughs> Does that change it? Probably not, but still. Uh, over-under is 42, and I like the under. It's defense, uh-huh. baby. Defense. Mm-hmm. Panthers at the Falcons. And I really wanted Mark to be on again for this one. Because he, for this game, he said, rolling with me. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he's listening while while at dinner or not. But Mark, if you are, or if you watch this back later, we're still going with the Panthers. I know, I know last week we said... We're done with the Panthers after they lost to the Giants. But this is a winnable game. It is a winnable game against a terrible defense that the Falcons are. I'm surprised. That, I don't even know how the Falcons are 3-3 three and three right now. I really don't. Um, well, Panthers. I mean, they played the Jets, the Dolphins. <laughs> and I don't even know who their other win is, but... Uh, is it an AFC South team? <laughs> Did they play the Lions? <laughs> the Giants. <laughs> the Giants. They beat the Giants. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, they've every game for them has been within one score except for weeks one and two where they got blown out by the Eagles and the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I think that that week one Eagles game was kind of a fluke. No, it wasn't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I've been relatively rolling with the Falcons, uh, especially of late. Yes, their defense is still bad, but I think that their offense is finally clicking the way it was supposed to. Plus, on the other side of the ball for the Panthers, I still don't believe in their offense without – without Christian McCaffrey. We obviously saw last week what happened against the Giants, who have a decent defense. But still, they got destroyed by the Giants last week. Again, I know that there was probably that whole other underlying storyline with Darnold's return to MetLife or whatever that probably was in his head a little bit, but still. This might just be me hating on Darnold because I'm still a frustrated Jets fan. But I still don't believe in him. I think it'll be close for one because it's a divisional matchup. And the way the Panthers can get the win is, by God, Robbie Anderson actually catch catch the dang ball. I mean, he is getting targeted like eight, nine times per game. Mm -hmm. And he's only getting like three catches. Maybe two. But I think that's the first thing that has to happen. Is that Robbie Anderson actually got to catch the ball. And uh, for two, 
I think it matches up. I think the Panthers' defense actually matches up relatively well with what the Falcons do on offense. Mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts is starting to break out, but what the Fa- the Panthers counter that with is Shaq Thompson, who is one of the better linebackers in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think he will be able to cover Pitts one-on-one for the majority of the day. I haven't heard anything about um, Gilmore. I don't think he's playing. I'd have to look at the. Uh, I thought I heard he has a chance of playing this Panthers week. Panthers injury report here. Final injury report. Um, so Terrace Marshall's out. They are getting Shaq Thompson back. <laughs> CJ Henderson is going to be questionable. And. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if Stephon Gilmore's playing or not. He's not on the injury report. So that means they must have not activated him off pup if he isn't playing. Mm-hmm. But if he's not on the injury report and he's off pup, you know, that'd be that'd be a plus. Match him up against Calvin Ridley. Um. Yeah, I, I, I think they can do that. I think they can match up against the Falcons' offense. So. We'll have to see. Over under is forty seven. Forty seven. Over. I like the over. Yeah, I do too. Dolphins at the Bills, all on Buffalo. Go Buffalo. Go Buffalo. Yeah. Too too much offense, man. Too much offense for the Dolphins to handle. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously with all this other uh, distractions with the Deshaun Watson uh, trade rumors and all that, I don't know. I think it's probably getting to Tua a little bit. Um, however, I do have to say, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is actually a close game because, for one, it's a division game. And Miami seems to play all three of the division opponents well, no matter what the record is. Uh, granted, it is in Buffalo. It's not down in Miami. So, the weather could have something to do with it. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like this weekend up in Buffalo. But yeah, uh, I, Buffalo wins, but I think Miami can cover the spread. Yeah, I was questioning that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo covers because their defense is good enough too. Even though two has actually been balling since he came back. Um, People don't think he's played well because they're one and six and they're zero and two since he's returned. But he hasn't gotten much help from his defense. Uh, yeah, as much as I still don't believe in Tua, I do agree. I don't think he was the problem at all. Yeah, I mean he threw four touchdowns against the Falcons and they still lost last week. <laughs> so the over under is. 49. 
four nine. I don't like that as much as the <laughs> other game. I think it, I think I like it. I do like it. Thirty-five twenty-one and a push <clears throat> for Buffalo. Niners at the Bears. You know, I was so pissed. Mark decided to pick the dang Bears. I thought I was getting the, I was getting the easy lone wolf. I was gonna ride it, Justin Fields. But no, I don't. You get the well, lone wolf now, Chris. I was gonna say I I like that I'm the lone wolf because I don't know my exact record in lone wolves in the NFL this year, but I know it's a very good record. So uh, I'll take it. No, but I picked the 49ers uh, not only because they are the favorite, but they obviously they haven't had the season that some of us thought they were going to. But I think this is a game where they can kind of right the ship and maybe work towards a possible wild card. And uh, I mean, it helps that Khalil Mack is not playing for the Bears. And Justin Fields is still a rookie quarterback. This is only his, what, second or third start in the NFL? I'm not, I'm not sure. Third, fourth, no, fourth probably. Maybe, I don't know. Well, still, he's only a couple games into his NFL career. He hasn't had the best uh, success at this point. The offensive line for the Bears is not that great. And with the 49ers defensive line, I think that they'll get to him a couple times. So, I just think all signs are pointing to the 49ers going into Chicago and getting the W. Yeah, it was a tough game for me to pick. Um, I just looked at what the Colts were able to do to the Niners and based my pick off that because I think that's exactly what the Bears are going to do. We know Justin Fields has struggled throwing the ball this year. But he's not going to have to. They're going to run the ball and run it many, many times in this game. And that's how they're going to win. Khalil Herbert has been a godsend as a a sixth-round pick, I believe he was, for the Bears this this year. And him and Justin Fields are going to run a lot of read option. And I think that's what's going to get it done. Play action over top with Allen Robinson and co. Against the Niners defense that has had secondary injuries. So. Mm. Over under is 40. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, t- that's a tough one. It's very low. But these are two, I think, defensive teams. So. This is true. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's under. Titans at the Colts, AFC South matchup. I'm surprised no one went with the horseshoe. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of surprised that the Colts were the favorite in this one. They're home, that's why. I, I was going to say, that's probably the only reason why. Because, I mean, also the fact that Julio Jones now probably pushed the needle a little bit towards the uh, Colts. But I don't think that mattered. Hmm? That that wasn't official until today, though. But either way, though, I still don't think that the Julio Jones thing matters that much. 
I mean, they're five and two record. They didn't have him already for a few games this season. Granted, one of those games they did lose to the Jets. Yeah, I think this. <laughs> but be that was a, also without AJ Brown as well. I, I think this is gonna be a very good game. Um, Colts have showed life after a was it a one and four start? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but the Titans are hot, man. I mean. Beating two of the presumed top contenders, even though the you know, Chiefs are now at the bottom of the AFC West right now. But beating Buffalo, I think, was a big boost, even though they shouldn't have won that game. <laughs> Not getting over it yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a really good game. and It's going to be a close one. So It's the battle of the running backs in this one. For sure. Two of the best running backs in the league. The reason the re- that was one of the reasons why I took the Titans not for Derrick Henry, but against Jonathan Taylor. Even though I have him in fantasy, I need him to do well. I think the ten- the Tennessee run game run defense has played very well, mm-hmm. limiting Daryl Sanders, la- Daryl Williams last week. I thought they did a really good job of, on that. So. Mm-hmm. Over-under is 51, and I'm going over. I, I don't know, though. I don't know if they're going to have enough time to score all those points. Because, like I said, it's going to be a really run-heavy game. And I know Derrick Henry can break off a 75-yard run like it's nothing, but still. But we saw, on Sunday night anyways, the, the Colts – downfield passing game that they like to do. Titans also have that ability off play action too. With mm-hmm. a, with AJ Brown. So Yeah. Here we go, Chris. Bengals at the Jets. Joe Burrow versus Mike White. And See, Joe Flacco. I maybe it's just me being a Jets fan, but I feel like this is the epitome of a trap game. For the Bengals. No. <laughs> like, they're overlooking the Jets so much that maybe the Jets actually have a chance. But, no, I I can't go against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I can't support Mike White. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to make sure I knew where Mike White went to college because I, I had no idea. Western Kentucky. Um, I, actually, I do kind of remember him being there, but yeah, no, Mike White's not going to be able to get it done. Uh, well, like I said in the segment earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike White doesn't even last the entire game. That would be, I don't think it matters if Flacco plays or not, because if Flacco comes in mid game. I think it's the same result. If Flacco started the game, now maybe it's a Jets cover uh, and still lose, but they cover possibly. Mm. But over under is forty three. <laughs> Patriots scored fifty four on them last week. 
Yeah, and the Jets scored 13, so. <laughs> I mean. And the Bengals' offense that, is better than the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, I think that the it definitely hits the over, but I think that it'll need both teams to do that. I don't think that the Bengals do it on their own. How about a one-point over, 31 to 13? <laughs> Are you happy with 13 points, Chris? <laughs> if it's two touchdowns, that's fine. If it's a touchdown and two field goals, I don't think so. <laughs> two touchdowns and then miss the extra point. On, I, on I'd rather one. that than have two <laughs> field goals. All right, Rams at the Texans, another big spread here. Yeah, I know we can't pick locks with the <laughs> double-digit uh, spreads or whatever, but this is the lock of the week. See, you say these things, Chris, and then <laughs> then Davis Mills comes out and throws for 450 yards and four touchdowns, and the Texans win at home. Uh, <laughs> well, I was I was thinking more along the lines of the Texans running backs now that it's not as crowded. Like, uh, David Johnson and uh, Philip Lindsay probably go off in this one. No. No, it would, it would have to be Brandon Cooks and their other receivers, who I don't know their names. <laughs> uh, Nico Collins, is he active right now? Uh, I don't know if he's hurt or not. I think he is. He's good to go. But... Yeah, it would it would have to be the passing game in my mind, because they'd have to they'd have to keep up with Matthew Stafford. Uh, it was nice. This slide I didn't have to I didn't have to change. I just had to change the put the Texans logo in and move the Rams logo to the left because this was the <laughs> this was the Lions Rams game slide from last week. So it was fine. We already had all three of the Rams logos under us, and it was great. Over-under is 47, though. It's another one that I kind of like the over. The Texans have been sneaky about covering spreads this year, mm-hmm. even though they didn't. They got railed by Arizona last week. Um, they might get railed again. But I don't feel as confident in this one as I did the Bucks bears game last week where I told you it was going to be just a, a an annihilation like it was. Mm-hmm. I don't feel as confident saying this one because the the Rams, we saw them play down to the Lions last week. Yeah, it seems like they do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans do score some points on this. Uh, four oh five games here. Patriots at the Charters. We have three lightning bolts. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was gonna say it is in LA, so the Patriots do have to travel cross country, but they are coming off that historic destruction of the Jets, so they're probably still flying high from that. And the Chargers, I don't know, the Chargers have looked good at times, and they've also looked pretty bad. Like, yeah, that was the last week. You know, that was two weeks ago against the Ravens. Uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, and it's also it also depends on if Austin Eckler is able to go too. If he's able to go, I think it's an easy Chargers win. But if he can't, then I think it'll be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I 
I thought this game was is is going to be very close. I, the fact of the matter is both offenses are playing well. I mean, Mac Jones, mm-hmm. Mac Jones has been a revelation for the Patriots ever since the Cowboys game. I think the about mm-hmm. three three weeks ago, and yeah, it, it should be a good game. I think, but. I, the Chargers defense, I think Brandon Staley gets them up for it. Joey Bosa and Derwin James and co. have something special planned for how to uh, keep Mac Jones down. But they also got to worry about stopping Damian Harris. That's a big factor as well. Oh, yeah. But just make him fumble and then you're good. Him, him, and Stevenson both have fumbling issues right now. So, mm-hmm. over under is fifty, tied for third highest this week in the NFL. Fifty over, right? Two high scoring offenses. Yeah, but I, I think it. Okay, my internet sucks. So, that's cool. Okay. So. Zoom has kicked us off. That's cool. That's the first time this happened, though. Zoom kicked us off. That's the first time this happened. That's great. Um... My internet is unstable, apparently, for some reason. I don't know why. But, uh... Um. Hopefully, we're good. We only have a little bit left of the show. We're gonna get there. And, uh... But anyways, next game here, Jags at the Seahawks. Um... And I was... I was like, "Are you are you kidding me, dude? Are you?" I thought I was getting another one. I was gonna do another lone wolf, and then y'all both picked the Jags. I was like, "Come on!" Now they're gonna lose. I I just I couldn't go with the Seahawks. I couldn't go with Geno Smith. Even being in Seattle, that's not as big of a deal anymore. I think as it used to be. And, uh, I mean, Jaguars have also obviously been pretty bad this year other than the one game against the Dolphins. But I think that they build on that this week and get their second one of the season here. Yeah, the matchup that I like for the Jags to win this one is Trevor Lawrence against the Seahawks defense, I think is a great matchup. Um, Coming off the bye for the Jags, should be able to get Marvin Jones and Jamal Agnew, who the previous two games for the Jags has become heavily involved in the offensive game plan and as a receiver, not just as a all-pro returner like he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I picked him up in this ridiculous 20-man 
six flex, one super flex league. It's so dumb. I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm like one and I don't even know how I gotta win. One and <laughs> one and six, but uh, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence against Seahawks secondary is is really good matchup and. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be able to run the ball with James Robinson because we saw Kamara wasn't able to get much going on the ground for the Saints. So I'm not sure if they'll be able to do that or not. It'd be interesting to see if the Seahawks can run against the Jags defense. Yeah. Over-under is 44. Nope. (laughs) I mean, I think the Jags can score a couple touchdowns, but I don't think the Seahawks can score that much. I think it'll be in the 30s, probably. Four twenty-five games here. Washington at the Broncos. This was another one I was close. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think originally I was going to pick Washington. But then I was like, the Broncos are at home. They have presumably a better overall team. Mm-hmm. And I thought they played well against the Browns. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same uh, struggle here trying to pick this game. Because, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the... Washington has a, I think, a high-powered offense. Uh, well, I guess if you could call it a high-powered offense, they have Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. Those are probably the two best players on that offense. But again, it's against the Broncos' defense, with or without Von Miller. I don't know his status for this game. I still think the Broncos' defense is going to be able to stop them. And I think that's what it's going to come down to, is the Broncos getting a defensive stop. Possibly. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know what status of Von Miller is, but I think maybe. I don't know. I don't know how healthy Bridgewater is either. I mean, they got all that extra rest from the Thursday night game, so. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So, if he is rested, maybe he plays very well. If not, let's go Drew Lock. Over under is 45. 45. That's a tough one. Just uh, under. Yeah. Actually, I think more more than just under 17-14 Broncos, they push the spread. Bucks at the Saints, three mm. Buccaneers flags. Yeah, I hate to do this because it's against the Saints, and the Saints have played pretty well, especially on defense. Uh, but... I just think Tom Brady's playing probably the best he's ever played so far, which <laughs> is crazy to say, being that he's 44 years old. But, yeah, he's... He's only 42. On a, whatever. <laughs> but still. Uh, 
I mean, he, they are without Antonio Brown. That doesn't and, <laughs> and I think Gronk is still out, right? Uh, probably. So, so Again, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I was going to say, they played without the two of them last week and uh, maybe the, the week before that, too. And, yeah, Brady's still putting up numbers. Still has Godwin. Still has uh, Mike Evans. There, I, as much as I hate to say it, I don't see the Saints having any shot at winning this game. I think they have a shot, but just like the Falcons being three and three, I have no idea how the Saints are four and two. Their defense, um, because and the James, fact that they got to play the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Jameis has not. You know that you know that video, the not that guy video. That's exactly Jameis. Jameis is not that guy. Uh, <laughs> and they're lucky they got the week one blowout over the Packers. That was a fluke thing being played in Jacksonville. Uh, but we all thought that that was going to affect the Saints more than it affected the Packers, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. But again, I think it was a lucky because it was – uh, a change that the Packers had to make huh. to go farther than kind of straight down to New Orleans. They had to go. Yeah. But, uh, nah, yeah. I hope that Leonard Fournette will be able to run the ball. The, the Bucks have ran the ball very well this year. Even though the, the Saints were able to shut down the Seahawks running game. Seahawks offensive line isn't the the Bucks offensive line. I think the Bucks are really good at, uh, at the O line spots, and should be able uh-huh. to run the ball with Leonard Fournette, which opens up the play action to their guys. So, and if Gronk's out again, look for OJ Howard to be a factor once again. Over under is fifty. Pretty big. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think it gets that. I don't think the Saints offense can score enough. Especially because they'll have a man named Devin White covering Kamara out of the backfield. <laughs> not not slow Bobby Wagner. <laughs> Even though I think Jordan Brooks might have been covering him a lot, who's younger and faster but he's not he's <laughs> not, not that and white though. he's not yeah. that and white <laughs> uh, alright Sunday night football here uh, Cowboys at the Vikings I I was surprised to know that the Vikings are a three point favorite here it's because of the uncertainty of Dak probably 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 also that it's in Minneapolis um but we are all on the stars. That means uh, Vikings are going to win. Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, and Co. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. <clears throat> I don't think it matters all that much if Dak plays or not. Obviously, I think if Dak plays, it's a no-brainer. I think Cowboys win. But I still think even if Cooper Rush ends up being the starter, I think that the Cowboys' offense is high-powered enough. Especially if they can get Zeke going, uh, that'll open up the passing game for <clears throat> for the other guys. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a 
shootout of a game because I think both offenses are pretty high-powered and the defenses are decent, but they're not the best. I don't think the Vikings' defense is decent. Not against the, the offense that the Cowboys have. That's why. That's why I'm. I like that. I like the Zeke matchup. I, in our dynasty league, I I've been contemplating playing Amari Cooper because he's had not the greatest of weeks. You know, since he had a thirty-eight point week, week one, he's still been in double digits almost every single week. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. He. Uh, no. Weeks two and three was were terrible, but 15, 15 and ten the last three weeks. But I just couldn't fill. I I couldn't find a spot for him. You know, Robert Woods, AJ Brown in my receiver slots, and then my three flex are Swift, Deontay Johnson, and Stephon Diggs. So, you know, couldn't find a matchup for him in there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I hope he doesn't go off. But yeah, I like. I don't I don't like the Vikings defense against Cowboys offense. Cowboys defense has played has far outplayed their expectations coming in. So mm-hmm. question is, does Trayvon Diggs get another pick? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I don't know what was wrong with him, but I saw he was also on the injury report as questionable. Oh, yes. So I don't know. He has seven interceptions through six games, so <laughs> over under is the highest of the weekend 53 and we like the over right Chris like shooting the over. the over bud I wouldn't be surprised if it gets into the 70s especially if Dak plays dude I always forget to do this um, but the uh, before I get to my best bets the differences in the games for the standings for college last week uh, Mark lone wolfed Utah State and got it right. Mm-hmm. He also lone wolfed Iowa State and got it right. And then he lone wolfed Utah and got it wrong. You lone wolfed Army and lost. You also lone wolfed Texas Tech and lost. You lone wolfed Boston College and lost. And then you did get one right though. You lone wolfed Fresno State. <laughs> and then I got yeah, my only lone wolf right. With Northern Illinois. Yeah, the lone wolves are what killed me in college last week, which is why I <laughs> fell down into the <clears throat> middle of the standings. But, hey, that's what happened. Um, and then last week, NFL, you had the only two lone wolves. Uh, you got them both right, Atlanta and Vegas. So, I like it. All right, best bets this week. Uh, last week, I went one and two again. Lost with the Panthers, minus three at the Giants. Lost with the Chiefs, minus four and a half at the Titans. But I did get the Bucks minus 12 and a half against the Bears. Mm. So here are the three that I got this week. We're 10 and 14 overall. Uh, you know, I'm rolling with us on the Titans plus two and a half at the Colts. Really like that one there. Bengals, sorry, Chris. <laughs> I'm taking the points. With Joe Burrow at MetLife, mm-hmm. minus 10.5 against the Jets. And then game we just talked about, Cowboys plus 2.5 at the Vikings. I like that one as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all three of these, I think we all were on the same for all three of these games. So 
I don't have any issues with your picks, obviously, because I think all three of these teams are going to win. Yes, and the 10.5 is huge, but we all know the Jets' injury concerns and stuff on both sides of the ball, and we know how high-powered the the Bengals' offense has been, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually covered. Uh, It is interesting, though, that you did go with two underdogs in the best bets as well. But, yeah, like we said, we expect them both to win. You got to pick what you got to pick, man. You got to try something. Yeah, these, as we'll see in the uh, dogs and the locks, it was tough to pick these this week. So NFL locks, look at that, man. We're still Sterling, 7-1. and one. Um, <laughs> Last week, we were all on the Packers. <laughs> and they got it done against Washington, so. All different this week, though. Actually, no, I forgot. I forgot. Mark Mark went with me. He made me flip a coin between you and me, um, <laughs> and it ended up me. It was mm. it, it was heads for Bucks, tails for Chargers, because the Bucks have a head on their logo. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mean, like I said, though, it was tough picking the lock because we do have that rule that you can't do the double digit spreads. And I think every other uh, one that I had picked was under five points. So it was tough to pick the lock this week. And uh, I just felt most confident in the Chargers. Obviously, or honestly, though, I do expect the the Buccaneers to win and cover and whatnot. I just, as a Saints fan, I couldn't couldn't pick the Buccaneers. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was tough. I I was really between this one and the and the Chargers. I think those were the only two I was considering. Um. So. All right, dog standings. Chris, you're pulling away, man. Let's go. Two and zero once again. Chris is the number one seed. You know, if the playoffs ended today, Mark and I are looking like wild cards at nine and seven. <laughs> um. Last week, Mark and I, we both, we got a point on the last second field goal that Young Way Koo hit against the Dolphins, plus two and a half against the Falcons, um, because we locked that in early. Unlike the uh, game time spread of one and a half, we got ours at two and a half. <laughs> and uh, Chris, you got an easy outright win, plus Colts plus four at the Niners. So. Mm-hmm. All right, this week, you're on the Titans plus two and a half at the Colts. I'm on the Jags plus three and a half at the Seahawks. And Mark is on the Cowboys plus two and a half at the Vikings. Two of these are my best bets. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I think I did this last week, too. But I'm now going against the team that I picked the week before. Uh, And, I mean, the Titans, we already discussed it when we talked about the I just think Derrick Henry and that Titans offense is going to control the game. And, uh, I mean, it's only a field goal spread, essentially, so I expect them to win by a field goal, at least. Yeah. Or you can do like we did against the Falcons last week and, you know, lose by two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but I, I was struggling with 
trying to pick uh, underdog. And I was thinking about the Titans, too. But, you know, I picked a couple dogs outright in the regular picks. The Steelers, the, Fal uh, the, the Panthers. You know, I picked the Bears, the Titans, and the Jags. And the Cowboys. Yeah. But I wanted the Jags. I went, Going with Trevor Lawrence, like I said, I... And at least this one's a three and a half, so if they lose by three, I still get a point. <laughs> That's what Mark always says. He hates the two and a half, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. He's stuck with it this week. Uh, he said Titans or Cowboys. I was like, well, Chris's gone Titans, so he's like, well. Make it interesting. Go Cowboys to, to make it all different. I was like, all right. <clears throat> so, <laughs> we're all different. Cowboys plus two and a half at the Vikings. We all have all three of these teams winning this week, so mm -hmm. maybe we all go 2-0 like the old days of week four. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if we actually all went 2-0 week four. But <laughs> All right, that's our show for today. Don't forget to uh, – we'll be back next Friday uh, recapping the couple games during the week. So um, looking forward to that Thursday night game. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Monday night game Giants at the Chiefs I'm excited to talk about that one on Monday and then yeah man Jets at the Colts Joe Flacco versus Carson Wentz what a matchup if it is Joe Flacco that is <laughs> <laughs> next Thursday yeah, we'll, night we'll find out uh, tomorrow the status of Zach Wilson because tomorrow is the quote-unquote deadline to put him on the IR. So, and we actually we'll have a we actually have a full slate of Maction. Yes, Maction is back for college football. <laughs> we have football seven days a week next week, dude. Wow! Three games on Tuesday: Ball State four and four at Akron two and six. That one is seven o'clock. CBS Sportsnet. <laughs> Uh, Miami, Ohio, who is four and four at Ohio, uh, one and seven, seven thirty on uh, ESPNU. Eastern Michigan, five and three at Toledo, four and four, seven thirty on ESPN two. All three on Tuesday night, like I said. Wednesday night we got Central Michigan, four and four at Western Michigan, five and three. That's seven o'clock on ESPNU. And then uh, Northern Illinois, six and two at Kent State, four and four. 7 o'clock, ESPN 2. And then we got one college game on Thursday, Georgia State 3-4 and four at Louisiana 6-1, 7-30 on ESPN. So, yeah. <laughs> Full slate of action. That's the show for today. Don't, get, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah. FAAPodcast.com is the website we are here on youtube we're over on meta <laughs> as mark zuckerberg wants it to be called now meta the metaverse <laughs> um, also check us out on spotify apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, radio wherever you listen to podcasts mm -hmm. all right chris let's have a great weekend and uh let's hope 
Go dogs. <laughs>